Matt, do you remember your first experience like coming to move to San Francisco? I remember it like it was yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I was driving up the 101 North and uh, it's like it was sunset and it was so, so beautiful. And the uh, the bay is off to the right side of me, right? And um, it's just gorgeous. And I'm just like, I know exactly what this moment needs. It needs my favorite band, Dr. Dog, playing on the radio. So I put on Dr. Dog and my sister Julie was with me. And we were just singing along and it was so, so good. And I remember arriving in San Francisco and um, and just feeling like, here I am. I made it. I made it to San Francisco. This is where I live now. And ever since then, I have been surviving. Not thriving? Surviving. <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone, welcome to Dateology. I'm Candace. And I'm Matt, and uh, this is a voice for Christian Metropolitan Dating. Where we collect honest stories, like Matt's. For liberating wisdom. For discovery and companionship. And um, today's episode's going to be great. Before we get to it, though, I just want to tell you, um, we chose to launch a Patreon site so that we can uh, get support from listeners like you. I feel like I'm PBS right now. Um <laughs> Also, one reason we want support is because we want to record more frequently and have episodes on a weekly basis. Um, so having financial backing will help us to get that out. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, we're, we're excited about that. We want to continue to, we're just like committed to expanding this to what it could be, uh, Datology as a podcast and as a community. So that's why one of the perks for like entry level, base level, uh, Patreon support is for five bucks a month, you can be part of our online learning community and, uh, you know, at the perk level of being a fast friend, right? Exclusive and, community. And it's an exclusive community that's accessible to those who are uh, supporters for this show uh, where we continue the conversation mm. about episodes and it's also an opportunity to really connect with people and, um, you know, honestly, I feel like Christians are needing opportunities and spaces to connect about Christian dating, meet people, all of that, talk about it, and this will be a space that we're hosting for mm -hmm. that. And so, talk about the topics that come up in our shows. Mm -hmm. And who knows, maybe you'll like you'll just meet somebody. Uh, it's not impossible. So uh, that's no. the idea. So there's a perk uh, ready for you if you want to do that, plus many, many more, which we're going to talk about at the end of this episode. So I'm excited about the episode today. We had another um, guest come on. Mm -hmm. And um, today's guest is a man named Mark Scandrett. And uh, Mark is an author, teacher, activist, and coach for leaders and teams who want to create a better world from the inside out. And um, Mark's like an interesting, interesting guy. Yeah, he's so wise. I feel like our episode just had like a really contemplative feel about it. And yeah. was really like an invitation to a lot of introspection. Yes. And um, I, I think he's like, just a, a fascinating guy. He's been doing ministry in San Francisco for uh, 22 years. That's incredible. So he's seen this city inside and out and seen it shift over time and see it stay the same over time and uh, has a lot of wisdom to offer. Uh, just kind of helping us get the lay of the land with what's happening in dating in metropolitan places. So I loved it. Mm -hmm. So here he is, Mark Enjoy. Scandrat. Hey, Mark. Hey. Um, 
How are you doing sitting across? The I'm doing great. Good, good, good. Um, here's kind of like a quick lightning round about like who Mark is. Um, so like what sort of questions should we ask him, Candice? I mean, uh, yeah, so I'm new to Mark. I know Matt, you've met him before. So mm-hmm. can you give me just a brief summary of like what do you do in the city? Yeah, uh, I'm married to a woman named Lisa. We've got three young adult kids. We've lived here in the Mission District since 1998. So almost 22 years. Nice, nice. And yeah, and I remember you um, first meeting you by talking to you during um, like a a special staff event at my church and stuff. And we were discussing um, a lot of things about practicing the way of Jesus. And it seems like that's one of the big things that you are like really invested in. Yeah, it's the title of a book I wrote. But that's also something I'm really passionate about. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I love it. I love it. So Uh, what would you call your job title? um, uh, I'm a teacher and and an author. And I put on retreats and workshops that help people apply the teachings of Christ to everyday life. Hmm. I love it. Most of my work for many years was here in San Francisco, actually in Mm -hmm. this neighborhood. And then uh, after I started writing books, I started getting invited to travel and teach more. So the last five years, I've been all over the U.S. and in Europe and Australia teaching. Wow. That's That's cool. It's been great. Oh, man. So I feel like we're really, really lucky to have a a world-traveling author speaker present (laughs) with us on this podcast right now. So thank you for taking the time. Yeah. Yeah, so this to. is a, a dating podcast, and so I am so interested to hear if you have a story from your dating life that you can share with yeah. us. Yeah, I met my wife when I was 15 years old. What? 15 years and she, old. Yeah, and she was 16, and she's really the only person I've ever dated. Wow. Uh-huh. And I don't know if we really dated. We were too young to date, and she lived two hours <laughs> away. <laughs> so... <laughs> So wait, how did how did that progress? Were yeah. you friends? I, I met her or? at like an evangelism training camp mm-hmm. when I was fifteen. Oh okay. my gosh! And we started writing letters back and forth. Oh, that's special. And wow. it just so happened that her adopted brother was going through um, bone marrow transplant. Wow. a mile from my house. Oh my goodness! And so I would go and sit with his uh, with her mom and her brother while he was going through this wow. very traumatic and painful process. So he was in the hospital for like f- five months. And wow. so I got it, I get, I got in good with her family. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, if you're there during like one of the most tragic seasons of their life, wow. right? Like, yeah. Oh my well, gosh. I loved her so much. I wanted to love everybody Aww. connected with her. So, so when did you That's get married? So we got married when we were 20 and 21. Okay. That's cool. And the year after we met, I moved from Minneapolis where I lived to oh. Alabama and we what? kept writing letters. So when were you in the same city? Was Never. that when you got married? Uh, w- when we got engaged, I, wow. I moved up to Minneapolis. Oh and my gosh. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. I love the letter writing. Oh, it's great. We have, central we to have your boxes relationship. of them. Oh, that's precious. And when our kids wow. were uh, younger, every Valentine's Day, we'd open it up and they could read it. We'd read a couple Aww. out loud at the table. Oh my wow. God. Have what some a laughs. sweet tradition. <laughs> I love it. They were super sincere. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's hard to not write your heart actually. Yeah. I feel like, you know, like it's kind of like one of those things that's like, at least for me, like really, really naturally it's going to pull out 
sincere feeling, yeah. you know, to handwrite something to somebody. I actually think it was probably a good way to develop a relationship because yeah. we were like really sharing what was important to us. And um, maybe if we'd lived in the same place and we were just hanging out, yeah. we wouldn't have had those conversations. Oh man, I can super relate to this. Mm. Yeah, yeah. As a person who dated somebody across the country for almost a year, right? Like uh, we didn't write letters, but yeah. you know, the communication was so central to that and this was back when you had to pay for long distance calls oh so i spent thousands of dollars on phone bills that's (laughs) hilarious oh my gosh wow that's so cool so you have the rare experience of doing ministry in the city for uh, how many years 22 years 22 years so it has become such a transient place and so a lot of our listeners who are in san francisco come and stay for a couple years so i'd be so curious to hear what it was like when you started and how you've seen things evolve. Yeah. As far as like, like I think, I think, I think the same thing was true 22 years ago as Mm. now that it was, it's always been super transient. Mm. Like a bustling city where people are in and out. Yeah. We used to say back then we expected people to stay about 18 months. Wow. And so that changed how, how we do ministry and how we do spiritual formation. Mm -hmm. Well, if people are only going to be around for a little while. So how much counseling would you do with people on dating and relationships? You know, I, my undergraduates in applied psychology and Mm -hmm. family and community health. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was a pastor. So, uh, we, we used a tool called prepare and rich. Oh yeah. And so I would do that with, do premarital uh, counseling with couples. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm really curious, you know, uh, cause I imagine some things 1998 are going to carry over right to 2018 in terms of like uh, what people are experiencing in dating world. Yeah. Right. So what are some of the common, uh, common challenges or obstacles that you have heard from people as you've cared yeah. for them, ministered to them? I actually have something almost like a top 10 list of things. I've oh, no way. I great. feel like we should be on Letterman and like <laughs> you just throw the card. Like maybe it's not quite the number one reason. Um, these are either things I've noticed or things that people have told mm-hmm. me. Um, one of them is that a lot of people are working through kind of um, their family of origin trauma. Mm-hmm. Uh, their parents did not stay together or did not have a happy marriage. And so there seems to be this toxic idea around long-term commitment because mm. of that. So they have some things to work through. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's one of the things that actually Candace and I are really invested in. Um, in this in this show is we're often discussing like especially Candace from a psychological angle what's going on in people's uh, attachment patterns and so on and so forth that are directly influencing people's dating lives mm-hmm. right and uh, and I feel like I mean that's definitely connected to trauma around family life and everything like that and sometimes it comes in the form of uh, like my parents are divorced so I'm not so sure if I really want to get married and like, yeah. these questions but I think oftentimes it comes more subtly in mm-hmm. in things like uh, anger wasn't allowed in my house growing up. Yeah. So how do I like deal with dating somebody who's a- willing to get angry sometimes? Right. Mm. These yeah. kinds of things. Right. Like that's kind of my story. So yeah, mm. yeah. I, I feel like along with, uh, and maybe you'll get to this as you go down your list. But like uh, along with the traumatic things that feel like, oh, do I even want to to date at all? Mm. Questions or be committed at all? There's also these little bit more subtle things that are uh, involve some psychological discovery. Yeah. Right. I actually wonder, um, like I moved here when I was 26 
And I kind of wonder if, if it was easier to, to get married earlier Mm. because we weren't very self-aware. Yes. Mm. I've thought of this before several times because I think with getting married young, you can make that attachment to someone and then you grow together. Whereas you get older and we've gone through this too, Mm -hmm. you become more self-aware, have more preferences. And so it gets more difficult to then find someone who's also done their work and is growing. And if you're growing at different rates or pieces, I think it's harder then to match up and maybe not as smooth as a transition as if you're 20 and excited to be married and don't know any better. There's something about the naivete that's, I think, beneficial. Yeah. I mean, some some people would critique the habit in Christian communities of people marrying too early. Uh, mm-hmm. And then not being compatible and not mm-hmm. not having yeah. enough mm-hmm. self awareness. Right. But um, I, I definitely do think if you if someone marries young, there are these life transitions that mm-hmm. you have to t- you have to make sure you're still together as mm-hmm. you go through them. Yeah. Wow, that's a really good point. That's interesting. So, um, but the, there does yeah. seem like there's something happens at say between twenty four and thirty where you're m- you get much more in touch with who you are mm-hmm. and it, it, it feels like you're, you're more complex. Mm-hmm. That's um, right. Huh. That makes a lot, that, that sounds right to my own like life experience. Yeah. Yeah. And I think as, because I didn't get married till I was in my thirties, even dating after that and the type of people that are still available and also like in that journey or just starting that yeah. journey, it does get more complicated to, yeah. to make a relationship. I, work. I vividly remember um, a person who was in one of our workshops one time said, I've, and this is more general in terms of faith, but I think it applies to dating too. Um, this person said, you know, when I was in college, I really feel, felt connected to my faith and I was in like a campus ministry. And now I feel like every year I just become a worse person. Mm. And, <laughs> and, um, wow. and I said, I don't think that's true. I think uh-huh. that you're much more self-aware than you mm. were when you were in yes, college. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, you've, you're coming into an awareness of the, your own complexity mm-hmm. and you're figuring out how you deal with stress and um, you know, you're getting a lot of feedback from coworkers and roommates right. that maybe you didn't get earlier. That and so sense. I think that could affect a person's that's confidence about right. entering into relationships. I think yeah. that's so true. Yes. Yeah. You know, if, if I'm like at work and I'm, you know, 30 something and I'm getting my performance review for the last year. Right. And, uh, you know, I'm hearing every need room for improvement uh, comment about who I am and my character and personality and my approach to doing my work. You know, like there's we're bombarded by that kind of feedback uh, as uh, professionals in a a big city doing hard work. Right. So Mm -hmm. I think it does naturally influence the sort of confidence that we bring to yeah. a relationship. Well, it makes me think too, even like with body awareness, like if you're not aware that much of your body, it's harder to know like what's aching. But when you start doing yoga and stretching, you'll notice more yeah. the things in your body that are tight. And so I think it's, it's like that, that when you're more self-aware emotionally, it's all of a sudden like, Oh, and then this thing, and then, Oh, I'm seeing my fault here where before it was there. It just, yeah. it wasn't on your radar. So this is so mm. good. This is just number one, right? Yeah. Okay, what's number two? <laughs> I love it. I th- I think just because because a lot of the urban centers in America are transplant areas, mm-hmm. when a person moves to a place like this, first of all, like this is like you're taking on a challenge. It's mm-hmm. more expensive. Mm-hmm. It's more competitive, 
And so it tends to push towards an individualization that I think right, right. other places don't. Um, yes. And, um, and, but the stakes are high. So you, I think a person tends to feel a bit more vulnerable, even if you're high income, at least in San Francisco, yeah. you're housing insecure. Sure. Uh-huh. Um, there's a lot of other people to compare yourself yeah. to. Yeah. And, um, what I experienced, and I think most people who uh, relocate to San Francisco and other ur- urban areas like New York experiences, mm-hmm. your identity gets called into question. Mm-hmm. Um, you thought you knew who you were, but mm. suddenly there's so many more things to be interested in and yes. more things to be knowledgeable about, more things to care about. Uh-huh. And um, I think that can affect a person's confidence mm-hmm. and sense of sense of identity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's wow. really good. That's interesting. So uh, so one obstacle then is just kind of like coming to terms with family trauma. Another is and kind of family history, psychological landscape yeah. stuff. This other is like survival in a yeah. in a metropolitan space. Yeah. Right. And uh, that there's so much more survival that needs to happen. And it makes it hard to do things that are tend to be more leisure flourishing activities. Right. Like romance, yeah, right. That's not like exactly what you do while you're surviving. Right? So mm-hmm. let's fall in love with somebody. I meet a lot of people mm-hmm. who the demands of their work take fifty or hours or more mm-hmm. a week, right. and um, there's just not a lot of space. You know, you you're working hard to move up in your company or in your profession, mm-hmm. and um, so I think the stakes are a bit higher. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, in the in related to this in the faith space many people when they move to an urban area uh some things that they thought were locked down about their faith become open questions Mm. and they go i'm uh my faith's becoming more complex i have doubts i didn't know about before my my perspective is shifting because Mm -hmm. I'm in a much more diverse environment. Mm -hmm. And I think that that can, uh, that definitely has an effect. And, um, over the years I've often heard, um, uh, people I know say things like, you know, I think I'm a unicorn. Like I'm really like, I'm really sincere in my walk with God and I want to walk in the way of Jesus. And I take my faith really seriously, but I'm not like most other Christians. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, I'm more progressive on on social issues or mm-hmm. whatever. And so um, I know on the dating sites, people I know have like put in like, basically it's it's a binary that doesn't quite, mm-hmm. the, like our algorithm do, doesn't quite work, like really committed to your faith and progressive on social issues mm-hmm. yeah and uh, a friend of mine did this and she was like there's like three people in the whole region that fit my my dating oh, profile wow. yes that's interesting that is wow really interesting. and i mean it, that that so uh feels like emblematic of the day where you know like uh ideology is kind of king when it comes to uh identity or choices for life or that kind of thing so yeah. if my uh my ideological perspectives on religion, spirituality, politics, uh, social life, right? Like if they don't match up with somebody, that means we're not compatible Mm. because it's all about finding an ideological match, Yeah, Mm. right? Which is, uh, I don't know, maybe maybe was the case, you know, in in eras past, but uh, at least right now, it just feels like a very ripe 
mm. moment for that being like the thing that people need to be concerned about. Right? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I do think it's, it is the task of an urban Christian to figure out how to, how to walk sincerely mm-hmm. amidst a lot of complexity. And it's a task that if you, if you live in a less complex area, you might not have to do as much mm-hmm. work on, but we're forced to, to do that. I yeah. think that adds a level too of, so you come to the city, you grew up with a certain understanding of faith and then like you're saying so then you're presented with ideas and community and this shocking challenge because maybe you didn't have a friend that was identified as homosexual Mm -hmm. when you were growing up and maybe you didn't have to think about other issues and so now you are so we're also presented and growing in that and then trying to date when you're like i don't really know yet yeah and it's hard, like holding yeah. on to staunch beliefs that you had that might have been more conservative growing up, and then being in this yeah. open space where it's harder to lock in someone else if you're both in open spaces, or yeah. you just don't know. I don't know if it's still like this, but I know when um, what I noticed over the years is uh, people tend to connect with people who arrived in the city at the same time. Oh, interesting. Because you're going through the same adjustments at the ah, same time interesting and i would notice like uh, we we uh, we ran a christian community for 16 18 years and um it was really hard for the new people to get in with the people who'd been around mm. for four or five years because oh, yeah. they're like they didn't want to be around those <laughs> those newbies who like had those naive perspectives right, right. And, things like oh, that. you're a level so one san franciscan i'm yeah. a level 10 you yeah know, like, exactly you can't really play together <laughs> that's so, yeah. but i think there is like a, a certain like level of stages that people go through and i think it's given me a lot of compassion i've lived here for like 15 years and so then i'll have like girls come into my practice and i'm like i can i get it the things that they're thinking through like yeah. i've been there so yeah i mean it it does create like a I think maybe a little gap between you. Yeah, know, but it feels, I know it, that you'll it, it arrive. It can feel eventually. like you're hanging out with the kindergartner. That's so funny. <laughs> it's just a developmental stage. It's oh a really gosh. valuable and I, important for someone's growth. Totally. Yeah, and I imagine that's not just in in the Bay. I imagine that's like most metropolitan spaces where there's like this big melting pot that feels disorienting around uh, experiences and walks of life that are all, you mm-hmm. know, uh, within a, a square mile of each other, just like thousands and thousands of people. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, man, that that is there is complexity that comes mm-hmm. in with that. Yeah. This is an interesting one that I've heard uh, multiple times um, that dating is more difficult in San Francisco or urban areas like this because there isn't that um, because a lot a lot of the women are professionals mm. and some men are insecure about dating somebody who is make, makes more money than them mm. and is more successful mm. than them. I mean, yeah. this is patriarchy revisited, but, um, right, right, right. I've never thought of that before. That's people have come to you with that idea Yeah, and said, you know, I feel like men are, are, um, intimidated by me. Mm. So as a woman, that's something I've heard in life that you, I've always assumed someone's just being nice. That if a guy's not interested and someone says, Oh, they're just intimidating you that like, that your friend or family member is just being kind to ease the blow. I I, yeah. I question if that's an actual thing. Yeah, I remember once having a conversation with uh, some buddies of mine. We were like hanging out in the backyard in the pool. This was down in L.A. still. And, uh, and one of them had just met a friend of mine who was like a really highly competent woman. 
and he was just like she's great she's also kind of intimidating you know so there's like a little piece of anecdotal evidence about Mm. that right so I like and I mean I can get it I think it is the sort of like patriarchy versus male fragility kind of thing like that that might be in the mix here where uh in like an economy that has shifted that kind of has like a traditional way that it was where the male breadwinner uh you know husband was the image of things and i think there's simultaneously like a uh, a big load off for guys in that um i personally feel a lot of relief that <laughs> i don't have to be the sole provider for any home uh mostly because that's impossible in San Francisco. Yeah. Um, or at least, yeah, for, for me, that would be absolutely impossible. Um, but also it is, it does lead to this like, uh, kind of gender question hmm. that is, uh, is new. Um, and perhaps not exclusively in urban areas, but definitely highlighted mm-hmm. when there's like a lot of high power, uh, like executive women, running around who are just like ultra competent. Yeah. Well, I wonder too, if, um, the fact that we're Christian is a part of it also, because there seems to be a lot more conservative ideas around like what's a woman's role and a man's role that maybe you don't see as much in the Bay area, but people come from home. Right. Um, yeah, and there that's are it. Like, that's it. That, yeah. that say like what's kind of okay and what's not okay. Mm-hmm. And I think if you go back a generation or two, there used to be more of a differential. Uh, women weren't as represented in the workforce or weren't paid as as well as men. Mm-hmm. And so it was sort of just an assumption that if you're the male, you're the one with the power or with the education. Yeah. And uh, the female didn't was a bit vulnerable in that. Mm. But I think these there's a leveling that happens in urban areas that maybe people of faith aren't used to making those adjustments so interesting. interesting oh we should do a whole episode on that uh, we've been talking about doing like a very clear gender episode yeah you know, like oh yeah i mean when we recorded our first dates episode there was a lot of just like differences yeah. around like dating things like as do you open the door who pays and yeah. all of those nuances yeah. and the, the difference between preference and what feels like natural god gifted differences between yeah. the sexes uh, the I feel like I'm entering dangerous territory by making this observation, but I, I spent courage to you. I appreciate it. I've, yeah. I've spent quite a few years like traveling around and visiting Christian college campuses in California mm-hmm. and speaking. And I was always super impressed with the women, you know, 19, 20, 21, 22, like bright, engaged, concerns about issues of justice. And then I'd see the the guys who wouldn't ask questions who were off kicking a soccer ball. And I thought people are, th- these people are maturing at different rates and the, yeah. the women mm. seem ready to get on with life mm. and the males just didn't, didn't seem to be as mm. connecting. And, um, in the, in the circles I was traveling in with academics, they'd say, yeah, it's, it's video games and porn. Mm. Yeah. Um, that have kind of delayed the maturation wow. process. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I know some people refer to that as like the crisis in masculinity. Right. Wow. Like, and, and I think it's, it's tough because like, um, I mean, speaking personally, like as a 
I don't know, young, youngish man. I can't, I can't call myself a young man anymore. I don't think, but, uh, uh, not too far away from being a young man. Relatively. Yeah. It was like, uh, I mean, I, I think that's so spot on about like, uh, the, just want to have fun, uh, take care of me sort Mm -hmm. of mentality that I felt like I had to very, very, very intentionally shake. Um, and I needed something of like a coming, coming of age, rite of passage sort of thing as a man to experience the values of responsibility and of like, uh, taking ownership for my faults and all these kinds of things. Yeah. Right? Mm. And, and that is different from like continuing to watch movies and play video games and play sports all the time. Right. Like, and yeah. And, and so I could see how that, that kind of classic, uh, uh, I don't know. Like I think they refer to it as being a mook like for a while, you know, mm. like, uh, like a, a young man who's, uh, you know, just kind of messing around. Right. Um, kind of like typified by Jackass, the TV show. Right. Yeah. Mm. Uh, like that's the, uh, that was like the emblem of a, like uh, boyhood that like stretched into yeah. being too old to be acting that way. Right. Yeah. Mm. And uh, the, there's some research that's come out the last few years that suggests that the timeline for growing up is changing. Mm. We're living longer. And so it's often suggested that adolescence goes to about 28. Uh, Uh. I have a friend who has worked as a, like a a Christian campus worker at Stanford for many years. And I'd ask him, what what do you see as differences generationally that have happened? And he said, the things that college students were engaging with, uh, 20 years ago, like during their college years, they're not engaging with until after they graduate mm. now, mm. Uh, because uh, the academics are so rigorous mm-hmm. and there's a lot of pressure to mm-hmm. succeed. And so thing like risks you would be taking, people would have taken 20 or 30 years wow. ago in relationships don't happen till after graduation. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I wonder how that matches up with how like our biology changes because there is like a prime time that at least for women that yeah, you right. should be having kids and i think it's really like 16 to 21 is like just the the biological time when we're like most healthy and fertile yeah um so it's just interesting as development shifts realizing that some of the ways that god has created us they i mean it takes time and like evolution for those things to catch mm-hmm. up and, and shift too yeah I mean, so it might result in females marrying men who are older than them because they're matched up at the right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The right time. That's so interesting. Or younger, because yeah. I married someone much younger than me. And I think it's because, I don't know, well, he would just mature at a different rate. And the men that are my age, I feel like kind of in yeah. s- some ways feel like, oh, did you miss did you miss the opportunities to grow? Either you're married already or that self-awareness process hasn't yeah. kicked in I, yet. I think some of this delayed adolescence dynamic is yeah. compounded by urban areas because it's so expensive. Mm. Huh. So I'll often hear people say, you know, like the markers for what adulthood is are like, by the time I'm 30, I hope to have an apartment of my own. Uh. 
without right, roommates. Right. Not have roommates anymore. <laughs> as like a huge deal. Yeah, I'm going to have a studio apartment. Yeah, that's real. <laughs> oh, that is so accurate. That's Especially hilarious. Like, I think I, I was 31 when I first had my own apartment. Yeah, it's this yeah. huge life achievement. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I'm always surprised when I travel to other cities in the U.S. and I meet people in their mid-20s that are married and own Ab- houses yeah, sure, with kids. and have a garden yes. yeah. and a pet. I'm That's like, so funny. <laughs> no one, no one yeah, has that yeah. where I live. And I mean, oh. it's de-incentivized in the Bay area. I mean, uh, not only because of how expensive it is to have a space, but also because like, you know, if I work at Apple, they'll take care of every meal for me and they'll do my mm. laundry for me. And, uh, you yeah, know, whatever, sure. like any of these fancy tech companies that are here in the Bay or, you know, other places too, like, yeah, like they're, there's an enabling of delayed adolescence yeah. that's yeah. going on that's built into the system that's right. man I, I think a special challenge for metropolitan christians who can like be part of these fancy jobs that pay super well and yeah. kind of take care of things yeah. so i think that affects uh, a person's sense of i'm prepared to be serious about a long-term yeah. relationship if mm-hmm. if if i can't even imagine having my own space how could i you know, right. How would I be ready for it? Of course. Yes. Something that I've noticed is that, and this might be just like stage of life dynamics, but um, most of the people that were I, I've been in community with over the years and that have been a part of our, our workshops or labs were in their tw- 20s and early 30s. And it felt like people had a lot of passion and vision for their life, but they're waiting for the whole group of their friends to be ready to move to the next level of mm-hmm. life. And I would often tell them, don't, don't wait. You know, this, all of us, all of us in our community aren't going to go with you mm. into the next thing that God has for you. Mm. Yeah. you do, just go for it. Mm. Instead of saying, oh, I'm, really I'm going to really pursue this when every, everybody's ready. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, that's good. So I think something that's happens like in adult development where, in your twenties, you're looking around, seeing who, what everybody else is doing. And hopefully in your thirties and definitely by your forties, you're like, I don't care what anybody else is doing. Mm. I know what I'm supposed to Mm -hmm. be about and I'm going for it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. This like kind of calling vision based, Mm -hmm. like, like I know, I know who I am and what I'm about and I'm going to go after it, which includes things like things that we're hoping for with relational life and romance. Right. Like, um, yeah, yeah, I I think that that totally rings true for me. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll just throw in one more, and then we can get to some. Yeah. perfect, perfect. <laughs> so, um, being single in your twenties or thirties, uh, like the clock for longing for intimacy just mm. starts moving, mm. and I notice mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of um, people that I've known feeling really lonely. And they have this idea of the kind of person that they wa- they want to spend their life with, but mm-hmm. they're not f- finding it. But it's Friday night, it's Saturday night. Mm-hmm. You're at a social yeah. event, or yeah. and the, often there's some drinking involved, mm. and um, you just want some human touch, mm-hmm. and you end up making out with somebody who you'd never date, but mm. it's just you feel that loneliness yeah. or whatever, and that affects a person's confidence to go after a person they really do admire, mm. you know, and yes, um, the kind of shame and complexity of that, I think can sometimes mm. affect. Man, I love the way that you 
you really humanized like the intimacy and longing mm-hmm. that is there. That, yeah. And that's all so legitimate. And maybe it leaks out a little sideways yeah. right? in this kind of like needs a release valve of like, let me just make out with somebody. Mm. Um, and I mean, I've been there. Um, and, and, and also like that's, uh, I, I appreciate that you're, you kind of set up the humanizing of yeah. that, right? Mm-hmm. In, instead we're, of the shame. Yeah, thing, we're made like, to want to connect. Right. Yes. And so the the challenge is finding legitimate ways the, and the the most whole and healthy ways mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. experience that in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The struggle is real. Oh, totally. Yeah, absolutely. It is very real. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Oh, man. Well, okay, gosh. All right. So I feel like we just went through a, a nice long list of difficulties and obstacles to uh, dating in a metropolitan place. Yeah. Uh, you know, everything from uh, delayed adolescence to survival in a city to um, legitimate longings for intimacy mm-hmm. that find find expression that isn't the most healthy for us, mm-hmm. right? Um, okay. And there's hope. Yes. Right. Yay. <laughs> um, so, I mean, let's let's just uh, kind of talk about that uh, for a while and just think like, you know, one of the things that we're all about on this show is um, just a belief that there's like God honoring freedom that is um, that is here in for Christians in dating life. And um, that comes from there being good news in all this. Right. Grace and um, and joy in the process even. Right. Yeah. Um, so we want to both acknowledge the difficulties and obstacles, but also bring encouragement and blessing to people. So mm-hmm. w- on your mind, like if, if you're to think of things that you would really hope people would feel blessed by, encouraged by, uh, what would you really want people to know and feel and experience? Yeah, I, I definitely think there's hope. And just because something's complex doesn't mean it's impossible. Mm-hmm. You just are knowing the landscape of the situation That's right. that mm-hmm. you're in. That's good. I, w- I would say like 15 or 20 years ago, I would encourage people to get a vision for spending their whole life in San Francisco. You know, there's Mm. a text from Jeremiah 29 that says, you know, settle down, get married, uh, make babies, plant a garden, build a house and seek the peace and prosperity of the people and place that I've called you to. Mm. And so we did a lot of work to encourage people to figure out how to put down roots Mm -hmm. in San Francisco. I think the barriers to doing that have really been raised Mm. in New York, San Francisco, Portland. And Mm. I often encourage people now to say, find a place to live where you can actually live a sustainable life, Mm. where you can imagine having Mm. the time in your life for things besides work, where you can Mm. get housing that's affordable, where you can imagine actually um, mm. if, if you desire to having a family and not mm-hmm. killing yourself to do it. I yes. appreciate that permission because I, I think I've also heard the former message, you know, from a sincere heart from the pulpit. Yeah. And then you want to say, okay, how do I make this work? But it, it doesn't seem, I love that word, like sustainable. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so that encouragement to find a life that is sustainable for you. Yeah. Unless you're really high income or you have an inheritance, the barriers are just huge, I think, mm-hmm. in the Bay Area. Right, right. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. this is uh, reminding me of a conversation I was having with a friend as I was visiting him in San Diego. And he, um, San Diego is beautiful. 
for one thing. Uh, it's like the promised land of uh, yeah. of the world. Uh, <laughs> and so whenever I visit him, I'm I'm just immediately envious. But um, yeah, one of the things that he was he was asked me is just like you know people live in San Francisco to survive or to thrive, right? And uh, and I was just like, you know what, man? I think it might be to survive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe I, I imagine there's plenty of people who are like really, really thriving in, yeah. in SF too. Uh, but there's certain cities like I, you know, visiting uh, my girlfriend in New York. Like I was surviving while I was living there for sure. You know, mm-hmm. like maybe some people are thriving there too. But he was said very confidently like about his life in San Diego. Like this is a place to thrive, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just so struck me. And I think I see that as interwoven with the sustainability conversation is mm-hmm. like, um, what are the places for life and, and spaces? And maybe it means a change of scenery mm-hmm. where the thriving stuff can happen. Mm. This kind of leads into maybe my a first practical suggestion mm-hmm. yeah. is um, to get clear about who you are and what you're about. Mm. Um, and I think it, it becomes easier to find a partner when you've identified those things and you're, you're going after them, you're, mm. you're moving towards them. Yes. Oh man. Uh, mm. That reminds me a lot of uh, a few episodes ago, back in season one, one of the things that we really talked about is um, an attraction and what is attractive. And, mm-hmm. and it, as I see it, what's most attractive is being connected to somebody who knows what they're about. Yeah. And you get to like, see how my life is connected to that and like kind of get caught up in the current of that. Even, uh, I think that's like, that's for me what attraction is like. Yeah. Um, so, I uh, I mean that just to agree with what you're saying, which is like, if we know who we are and what we're about and then we make our lives about that and, uh, restructuring life so that it can be maximally like that, you know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of beauty that comes mm-hmm. from that. And it seems like metropolitan areas give us an invitation to face ourselves and answer some of these questions to be uncomfortable being in, uh, in interaction with a lot of different diversity and thought and be able to say like, okay, this is who I am because I've, you know, did my work and Mm -hmm. faced my family woundings because I've asked myself the questions about what does the Bible mean compared to this like social political issue. Mm -hmm. And, and then I think, you know, because I don't want listeners here like, okay, now I just need to move out. Yeah. (laughs) Just move back home to where I came from. But I think that scenario, right. I think that this becomes a developmental stage or people Get, like God has invited you here if you live in a metropolitan yeah. place there is space for you to, to do your projects and your job and live in your communities and then also to like reap the benefits of the challenges that are coming before you so that you can become a more complex robust human being yeah absolutely mm-hmm. um, I think there's a practical dimension to this uh, as well and so figuring out how you're going to be sustainable with time Mm. and finances. Mm. And, Mm -hmm. um, for years, my wife, Lisa and I did a, did a yearly workshop called simplify. That was on first identifying what are you about? What's important to you? What matters most? And then how can you use your time and money Mm. to pursue those things? Mm -hmm. And I think some of that goes against some of the dominant narratives of, the metropolitan areas Mm. where it's all about 
want, you know, your work. And, um, I think, I think it takes some ingenuity to figure out how am I, how am I going to make it, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, how am I going to pay off those student loans and yeah. figure out how to create a future mm-hmm. and it can be done. We've yes. seen many people, uh, decrease or eliminate their debts and mm-hmm. start saving towards a possibility mm-hmm. of long-term housing. Yeah. 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 Um, shifting their work towards things that they're passionate about rather than just things that are paychecks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have like a book or a resource about this? It yeah, we wrote so a book called Free, oh, Spending wow. Your Time and Money on What Matters Most. That's so oh. good. And it came out of 10 years of doing these workshops. That's, That's amazing. Cool. Mm-hmm. And is that on Amazon? Yep. Okay. Nice. Great. Yeah. We're going to get to the the uh, plugs section of well, this conversation. Well, I was just so curious because when end. you're talking about simplifying, I mean, I, I think that is such a practical step, but mm-hmm. also sounds like a big step where I need something more practical than the invitation to think yeah. about it, but also like as yeah. a guidance a of what does that yes. look like? One of the stories we tell in the book, uh, I, th- I think it's in that book, uh, it's about a friend of mine named Damon who was working at one of the tech companies and he said, I'm giving the best 50 hours of my week to make the world go faster. Mm. But when I look at the gospels and what Jesus said about the kingdom of God, the reality of the kingdom of God, I want to give my time and life to those things. So he did a little experiment where he said, I'm not going to wait to pursue the things that matter most to me. So Mm. he, he said, I'm only going to work eight hours a day for this corporation. And there's a few things in my life that are non-negotiable. I'm going to spend an hour working on my soul every day Mm. with scripture and contemplation and prayer. And he said, I'm going to volunteer once a week. And at the time it was a AIDS hospice um, here in the Bay area. And they said, I'm going to devote myself to relationships. And so he made relationships a priority Mm. and it was sort of an experiment to see, can I not follow the script and will it work out? Yeah. What and happened? within six weeks that he would, he'd been promoted to manager because he had to manage his time much better yeah. in order to leave work yeah. to pursue other things. Wow. Interesting. Wow. Really uh, one other part of it is he said, I'm going to see if I can live on a third of my income mm. and then that'll prove to me that I could change jobs if this isn't the most satisfying mm. thing. That's really me. good. I think this is an awesome vision and aspiration for like what life could be. I'm trying to connect it though to a person who's like not in that. And yeah. like, because I'd, I wouldn't want to kind of for a person listening to this, who's just like trying to date and stuff and whatever for them to get the impression that like, okay, so first I need to simplify my life. And when I, once I've done that and mastered that, then I'll be ready to date. Right. Like, yeah. So what does it look like to, to be willing to be the, kind of in process with that? while also kind of creating the creating the thriving structures for life yeah. right um, i mean i think it's a both and yeah yeah uh, um where you need to be figuring out your life right. and taking some practical steps and th- very very practically here if you find a partner who also has a lot of education debt and no no savings you've doubled it 
by mm. coming together. Mm-hmm. So right. it is a way of working towards a long-term relationship. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think what I appreciate too is I think in this area we can just work hard and be a part of a system and not ask ourselves those questions about what is most important to us. And as Christians, we are called to survey the culture around us and say, what part of this do I agree with? And what part do I need to, you know, make sure that I'm in scripture and doing spiritual disciplines a certain amount of time every day? And how do I push back and say, okay, yes, I want to be a devoted worker. And here's my limit and allowing yourself to have a limit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Um, You mentioned a couple of these things already, but working on self-awareness and working through trauma, I Mm. think can be really helpful. Um, Find ways to have a fulfilling life without a partner. Don't wait to live. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Oh man. I, I love that. I think it's so good. I, um, man. Um, And I think part of that for me is connected to like a robust, like experience of friendship Mm. Um, and kind of like communities that are very, very like, intimate friendships that are powerful and and lots of the i don't know like lately i've been getting into playing dungeons and dragons actually i feel like total nerd to <laughs> confess that on the air um unexpected uh, no it's it's wonderful it's my uh you know delayed adolescence <laughs> uh, but uh but it, the the thing that's really incredible to me about it is it's a container for space for for men to be together in actual engaged, yeah, right, like interaction. That's you're not looking at screens. Playful. Yeah, we're not wow. looking at screens. We're not watching a sport. We're not like yeah. mm-hmm. doing some sort of like activity that's side to side. It's very face to face, like interactive yeah. uh, activity. It's super super fun. And uh, and one of the things that I'm getting out of it is like, wow, I I'm getting I'm developing really great friendships with mm. with men, and it's incredible. Yeah. And I have this group of men that like. I can do this with, and there's a, a holding space for it, right? Mm-hmm. And I uh, and I think it's just been phenomenal for me uh, in terms of like experiencing this like kind of don't don't wait to live like be be in like uh, even though I'm not married yet like uh, be in these relationships that matter, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, and kind of find the avenues. To make them work, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. I'm in a, um, I'm in a men's group with, uh, I think four, four of us are married and one of us is a celibate, celibate gay man. Wow. And, um, the tendency, I, I think this is a very common thing is to think that a single person thinks life is better mm. if I'm partnered. Mm. And, um, and sometimes we'll be talking about the challenges of doing life with another person and he was like i thought you guys had all the good stuff but actually (laughs) i think i might have and and we're like yeah we look at you and go man life would be so much easier if we didn't have to coordinate with another person you know and so i think some realism about relationships absolutely is helpful there's no perfect relationship Mm -hmm. who anyone that you're going to date or potentially marry it's not always going to be fun and mm-hmm. it takes a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not just about what they look like or how fun they are to be with in a dating context. Um, I, I off, I've often seen people date a series of people based maybe more on superficial qualities. And um, I think it might be more helpful to say, 
to to say, is this a person I can imagine growing old with? Mm, not yeah. just not just um, being on the red carpet at a mm-hmm. you know yes. benefit with uh, that is Mark. I feel like that's the question. <laughs> And I feel like that's that's the drop the mic moment. It's just like, is this a person I can imagine growing old with? I feel like that's mm, um, that's, that's such a wonderful uh, a wonderful question to hold, mm. you know, as we we're going out there and dating and yeah. uh, and and really wondering like, does this have legs in that way? And where I would enjoy growing old with this person mm-hmm. and and going through the ups and downs with that. So yeah, mm-hmm. do we share the deeper our deeper values yeah. together? Mm-hmm. Our, is our you know, are our souls on the same trajectory yes. mm-hmm. versus do we both like the same music or mm-hmm. recreational sure. activities? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so good. So good. That's really great. Well, Mark, we got to wrap up our conversation, but thank you. Thank you so, so much, much for Just, coming. Yeah, so I really much enjoyed wisdom. This. Yeah. So uh, you had mentioned one book, other books or websites ways people yeah, can find you. Yeah. If you, you go to markscandret.com, all of my books are on there. Great. Um, and uh, they're on Amazon as well. Awesome. Well, thank you for a truly wise conversation. I could feel the wisdom. And uh, thank you. I really appreciate it. Great to be with you you. all. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, I guess, like, one thing that we always do at the end these days is we just want to bless you. And Mm -hmm. um, and so with whatever is sticking with you from uh, this conversation with Mark, uh, we bless that that kind of knowledge, that thought, that consideration to uh, find find a way into your bones and uh, like uh, for there to be God honoring freedom for you. So I bless you with that. Dear listeners, you mm-hmm. want to add anything? I do. I want to bless your process. And so much of what we talked about today is uh, the journeys that we take uh, living in a metropolitan area. And so God is with you in that process. And I think taking from the last point that in each stage of life, there are beautiful benefits to glean from, and there's also hardships regardless of your relational status. And so um, really connecting with what God has given you right now that is beautiful and prosperous Mm -hmm. and growing in that. And then as life changes, you will appreciate what's next as well. So if, thank you. if I could add a bonus. Oh, wonderful. Please, I don't know if it'll make it. Oh, yeah. Um, so uh, a quick story. Uh, there was a group of women who were desiring marriage here in San Francisco back in the late 90s, early 2000s. And they decided to get together once a week and pray together for their spouses mm. for, for, for about this. Yes. And within uh i think 18 months all five of them mm. were engaged that's cool so there was something what kind in of the world that's amazing so start a prayer circle yeah yeah that's <laughs> i think one thing i really appreciate prayer circles popping up all over <laughs> all over the world after hearing that story right but one thing i do appreciate having just gotten married three weeks ago today is that at my wedding so many people i could say specifically like you were there you stood in the gap for me praying yeah. for this and holding that hope and i felt like it was isn't going to come so those relationships and experiences are so valuable once you do move into the next stage of life yeah totally uh i had i had one other uh, oh yeah so i i can't tell you how many people i know who have ended up marrying someone that they dated 10 years ago how funny in college yeah 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 
and it's like they came and they dated four or five people here in the, in the yes, city. Yes, yes. And then it's like, oh, that person. I know so many people in that same boat. It's and so maybe that's something to keep in mind. Mm. Yeah. Who's, who might swing around? Who do I already know? Right. And that's, <laughs> and that's the question that led to the relationship I'm in right now. Yeah. Wow. Yes. And I, I've often heard people say, dating's hard in my circles because uh, what if it doesn't go well mm-hmm. and we're in the same church community mm-hmm. or small group? I'm like, yeah, that's how it's supposed to be. You're supposed to feel some pressure from your community to treat the people you date well. So good. Hot so diggity. Good. What in the, oh my gosh, Mark. <laughs> I feel like you just, you solved that. You just, oh my gosh, wisdom is the most beautiful thing. I love it. And so, Thank I, you. I, so like, keep, let's keep that in mind. Mm. How, how could I navigate this relationship in a way that, after it's over, mm-hmm. we can still be in a small so group. So good. Um, Preach. Okay. I'm getting your books. <laughs> <laughs> Mark's Kendrett, everybody. Thank you so thank much again for being you. with us. Uh, super appreciate this. All right. So that was our conversation with Mark. So good. Super, super good. It's really wise, wise man. Um, to wrap up our episode, we wanted to let you know again about what's going on on Patreon uh, to support our show. And be uh, true patrons of the arts. Yes, and, and the link support. will be in the show notes. So um, here's just a couple of tiers for options of like uh, possibilities for how you could support the show that would lead to more episodes, supporting the cost of it, all that kind of thing. So um, at one tier called That's One Bold Peacock, 25 bucks a month, we will actually read your dating profile online. On air. And direct people for how to meet you. What in the world? That's one bold peacock. Am yeah, I right? I'm excited. I hope people sign up for that. I super agree. Um, how about this one too? Um, at the tier, let's get real serious. So in let's get real serious, you get access to our Slack, which you mentioned earlier. And then also a um, three 40 minute session with either Matt or I um, on how we can support you with your dating life. Yes, so one-on-one care with us, which I'm really pumped to offer that to people. Um, And finally, this is one that I'm very excited to let you all know about. So, of course, Brad, King Among Men, the the true king of this show, if I do say so myself. Mm. Uh, Brad and I went through a whole improv training uh, program together, love to perform together under the the name Sure, Sure, Sure Improv Group. So uh, at the level of great sense of humor patronage for 40 bucks a month, Brad and I will actually come do an improv show for you at house party at a corporate event. I don't know. What do you want? We'll be there. Just if it's at in the a Bay Sunday Area. gallery. <laughs> exactly. If, <laughs> if it's there, then uh, if it's in the Bay Area, we are ready to go. And heck, if you feel like covering the costs of travel, we'll also be there. So, uh, we these are just some opportunities for how you can support this show. Uh, we we know we do good work that helps people, and we we love that you listen and take time to listen. And we ask for your support as we continue to grow the community of this show and turn it into what we think it could be. So that will take some uh, financial backing, and we would love for you to consider backing us in that way. So hopefully, um, this is piquing your interest. Yeah, thanks so much for listening. All right. Thanks, everybody. And thank you to Brad, 
my friend. All a, right. A true treasure <laughs> who is producing this show. So thanks, Brad. Thanks, Brad. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.